Amen. I invite you to remain standing as you are able as we read together from God's holy word today. A song that invites us into hallelujahs, invites us into a place of gratitude from Psalm 100. I invite you to follow along if you have Bibles that you've brought with you um, or the text on the screen, Bibles uh, with you all who are worshiping with us at home. Let us read together from God's holy word. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Y'all can grab a seat. And I invite you to turn with me in an attitude of prayer. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So despite the fact that Twitter um, is a little bit in flux right now, um, it can still give us some joy um, when it comes to funny stories that people have to tell about Thanksgiving. Um, funny stories or anecdotes where things did not turn out exactly as they wanted or exactly as people anticipated the perfect Thanksgiving to be. One person wrote, if you want my kids to actually act thankful on Thanksgiving, serve Kraft mac and cheese, goldfish, and apple juice. Another person said that Thanksgiving is a time to be thankful even after pleading with your child for an hour to just try it and giving up when they only eat a roll. One father says that his four-year-old asked him if they could have pizza for Thanksgiving. And the father said, no, the pilgrims didn't eat pizza, to which the four-year-old responded, their dad was probably mean too. <laughs> A parent was bemoaning the fact that other children's drawings were better than her own, or at least more happy than her own when she said that your preschooler is thankful for mommy and mine has devoted his Thanksgiving artwork to Charmander. My favorite part of Thanksgiving, another person says, is when multiple families come together to argue over the pronunciation of pecan pie, or pecan pie, uh, as the case may be. Another person writes that they just came from the kids' family Thanksgiving at school and that they had never been more thankful for hand sanitizer in their lives. I'm sure that many of us have stories that we can think of when gathering around the Thanksgiving table with family and friends did not exactly turn into that Norman Rockwell picture of what that holy and precious moment is supposed to be. Thanksgiving for many comes with added stress and anxiety or grief over that table not being filled with the people that we miss or remember, or with the anxiety about that table not being filled with the picture-perfect food 
that we would like to have presented to our loved ones. Or our Thanksgiving is filled with sadness because the relationships that exist around that table are broken or strained. Thanksgiving sometimes misses the mark when it comes to giving thanks. But I think that part of the reason why that is is because we live in a society, we live in a culture where we celebrate individualism. When we celebrate picture perfectness and hold up people's individual attempts at perfection in life as something to be strived for, where we celebrate self-reliance and self-preservation and self-perfection sometimes that comes at the expense of other people. When the fundamental part of giving thanks is you is a recognition that what we have has been given to us. That what we have is not because of our own doing. Giving thanks is a recognition that someone else has gifted us with something that we could not do or achieve or accomplish for ourselves. And that is at the core of our Christian relationship with God. It is a recognition that God has gifted us with grace. God has gifted us with provision. God has gifted us with hope and with love and with life that we could not accomplish that we could not provide, that we could not experience by ourselves. As the psalmist writes the words to the people in ancient Israel, this invitation for those people to come into God's house with thanksgiving, to fill God's courts with praise, to live a life of thanksgiving for God's enduring love is an invitation to do so because the narrative for the people of Israel was one not of self-reliance, but of reliance on God. The song that we sang today, the song of Egypt, references the story that was such a part of the people of Israel. When they were slaves in Egypt, God brought them out of slavery. It was God who parted the Red Seas and led the people through to freedom. It was God when the people were wandering in the wilderness, trying to figure out how it was that they were going to eat. It was God that sent down manna, bread from heaven to provide for the people. And it was God who time and time again, as the people found themselves at odds with one another, at odds with God, it was God that was continually providing a way, continually providing hope and continually providing a future. That was not something that they could do for themselves. 
So the narrative and the collective story of the people of Israel to whom the psalmist is writing is a story of thanksgiving. It is a story of them recognizing as God's people that they could not do it on their own. And in fact, when they tried to do it on their own, that was when things went haywire. And they shut God out. Or when they thought that they could just accomplish everything. When in fact, they needed God in their lives. That happens to us sometimes too. And yet, for the people of Israel, they knew that reliance on God, reliance on God and reliance on the work of God, it didn't mean that their lives would always be picture perfect or easy. It didn't mean that if they just prayed hard enough that they wouldn't have any more troubles. That wasn't how they understood what this thanksgiving to God meant. That wasn't under, how they understood God's goodness. It wasn't a goodness that excluded the harm and the hurt and the struggle from their lives, but it was goodness that was with them through that struggle. Entering into it and bringing them out into freedom and into new life. They didn't offer thanks to God because life was good all the time. They offered thanks to God because God was good all the time. Even when, perhaps especially when life was not. And in that gratitude, in this relationship, and in this process of giving thanks to God, they found strength. And they found hope and they found that never-ending love of God even more palpably in their own lives. And giving thanks to God, we are grounded in, in a hope that no matter what struggles we are experiencing, no matter how we struggle to get things right or perfect, no matter how we struggle in our relationships or struggle with grief or, 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 or struggle on our own, the process and, and the application of giving thanks reminds us that we aren't on our own ever. And when we can see that, when thanksgiving becomes this abundant celebration of caring and of sharing and of acknowledging the beauty of God's work in our lives and acknowledging the beauty of God's work around us through the people around us and the gifts that they give to us. When, when there's this abundant celebration of thanks that permeates all of us, God's works of goodness are better experienced by all and transformation happens. And it's a beautiful thing. When I was in seminary, I had the amazing opportunity to spend a year in Thailand. And this time that I spent in Thailand was in the northern part of Thailand, right near the border of Myanmar. 
And I worked a lot in community development work with a nonprofit organization called Borderless Friendship Foundation that does community development for the Hill Tribe peoples. Um, various tribal communities that had migrated down from China through Myanmar and then landed in the northern hills of Thailand. And one particular group that I spent a lot of time with, one particular tribe, was the Lahu tribe, the Lahu people. And I had the amazing opportunity in the fall, the year that I was there, to go and to celebrate Lahu Thanksgiving. We gathered together, people came from everywhere around um, with trucks and with cars and with bicycles and on foot, gathering in a big open dirt area that had been turned into somewhat of a sanctuary. A big tent had been erected and chairs had been set up, hundreds of chairs, as people gathered together in community, to gather together to give thanks, to give thanks for each other, to give thanks for the harvest, to give thanks for God's constant providence in their lives. And as they gathered together in this space on the stage in front, this makeshift stage, was a, were a number of musicians and a number of preachers and pastors and an altar and a podium ready for worship. And in front of the stage were fruits and vegetables, piles upon piles of the fruits of the harvest that people had brought forth literally to give in thanksgiving to God. And as the preachers shared the words and as over 20 different musical groups lifted their voices. And in three hours of worship, we celebrated and we gave thanks. Recognizing for these people, like the Israelites, God's providence that had led them, that had been with them, and that was still with them even then. Now, the Lahu people were not wealthy people. They did not have easy lives. But they knew that even when the harvest was rough, even when times were difficult, even when they found themselves sick, that in that community and in God's presence, they could find hope because those fruits of their labor that had been brought were not just for God, but they were then distributed. They were distributed to the orphanages. They were distributed to those whose harvests had not been as good that year. They were distributed to the sick and to the widowed. They were distributed to any and all who were in need. And then we shared in a meal and it was as if this little tent in the middle of nowhere was transformed into a banquet hall. As we sat around tables, as we ate together, and as we sent home food with all who needed it, everyone felt 
love. Everyone felt hope and everyone felt thankful. Thankful to God and also thankful to God's presence experienced through one another. Thanksgiving, you see, is not a time to give thanks simply for what we have, but it is a time to give thanks for what God has gifted to us that can also be shared. And in this, in this, we can discover God's powerful presence in even more amazing ways. You see, the instructions to give thanks by the psalmist were instructions offered to remind people of their identity. Their identity as a people who struggled their identity as a people who wandered, their identity as a people who were sometimes selfish, their identity though as a people who were deeply loved and cared for by God and who were called to share in that love and care with each other. Despite the fact that we often live in a society and a culture that celebrates individualism and self-reliance and self-preservation as Christians, this cannot be the core of our identity. We don't make decisions for ourselves alone. We look at how our decisions affect those around us. We don't simply give thanks that our lives are better than other people's without asking how that betterment can be shared with other people's. We don't give thanks for what we have without sharing what we have. Because at its core, Thanksgiving is an acknowledgement that we are not living in this world on our own. That what we have is not our own. So when we give thanks and when we share in thanksgiving, there is this critical acknowledgement that God is doing something, that God is gifting us with something, with hope, with grace and a chance at new starts, with our very lives. And again, we do not give thanks because life is always good, but because God is always good. The Lord is good and his love endures forever, the psalmist said. His faithfulness continues through all generations. The Israelites knew that the world was not always good, that life was not always easy. And yet, they were invited, just as we are, to give thanks because God's goodness exists even when ours does not. So when the world seems to be falling apart and when struggles come, we turn to these words of the psalmist together as a people. We seek to find goodness and hope together so that together we can experience that abundant goodness of God. That goodness that from generation upon generation has been with God's people. 
leading us through our struggle, through our grief, through our wildernesses, and into new life and light. We are to give thanks for that, to celebrate that, and to share that so that the abundant gifts that God has for all of us and all of the world can flourish. Let us pray. God, we do give you thanks. We give you thanks like the people of old who have seen you working in us and through us and around us. We give you thanks for all that you have done and all that you continue to do. And I pray today, God, that as we gather in Thanksgiving this week, as we deal with grief that may come, as we deal with broken relationships, as we deal with inequities and struggles in this world, God, that, that we can see your goodness in the midst of it and that we can be a part of your work of bringing goodness in the midst of it. So that in and through thanksgiving, God, through our wilderness wanderings, through our grief, through our struggles, that we can see and share the light and love, the enduring light and love of your son and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.